What's in the queue? 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 Well, I mean, like, basically, I mean, this month is all steel apparatus. So this one thing I was working on, it's called a tippy hoop. And it's it's like a hula hoop that's yeah. hanging from, oh, yeah, from yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Not from a single point, from, from two points. So the hoop can either go upright or horizontal, right? Okay. I would be falling on my face repeatedly. I almost did that. Yeah. Um, but there's this thing that you um, kind of like kick off of one side of the hoop and land on your hips on the other side of the hoop. Okay. And I did that a bunch today. And then after the class, my body's like, hey, do you, do you remember that you're 34 and that uh, overexerting yourself hurts a lot? Damn. Here's a bruise. I'm, gonna, here's a, I'm, I'm just going to bring up this bruise for you. And I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks, body. Yeah. Sorry. But we had fun, right? We made memories. We had fun. And my body's like, no. No, we didn't. No. Mm-mm. But I had fun. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm great. Drugs are great? Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough of them, but... No. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I am here. You are here. Physically. I was I was a little worried we'd have to put... Like, I mean, absolutely, if we needed to. I mean, literally all day, I was like, nope. Yep. Nope. nope. Yep. Nope. Nope. Yup. Yup. <laughs> Halfway in the car. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Putting on clothes. No. Nope. No. Okay. Let's just, let's, let's do this. We're going to do it. Yeah. Your blue hair is It's not very blue anymore. It's That's not, good. it's not as blue, but the, the printing on your shirt is blue yeah. and it's reflecting up into yeah. the hair. So, like, you're getting this blue undershadow to it. Yes. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I like it. I mean, I, I'm digging it. I like it very much. Hey. Yeah. Uh, I don't, what day is this? Sunday. Okay. It's actually Sunday. Yup. We're in a closet. In Indiana, doing this podcast we like to call What's in the Queue? With Krishana and Emily. Yay. I'm going to take a nap now. Good night. Okay. All right. Well, while Krishana sleeps, <laughs> you guys and I, we're going to talk about Glory Days, the life and times of Michael Alig. Yeah. Witness the decadent rise and stunning fall of New York club kid Michael Alig, who openly bragged about killing and dismembering a rival club goer. Yeah. Let that sink in. Okay. Right? Uh, and um, I did that. <clears throat> I said all those things. Have you, now, okay, had you heard of this guy before? No. Okay, I have, because okay. My Favorite Murder has done an episode on him yes. fairly recently. Well, and you know that I am, like, consistently, like, 10 to 15 episodes behind. Which I don't um, know. I don't know how you do that. I can't. Like, as soon as I see it's in my playlist, I move it up in the well, queue. Well, and, and that's how I got to, like, both with, like, last podcast yeah. and MFM. Like, I was always like, now I'm waiting. Yeah. But I, you know. Now, I now, just haven't. Now you've just waited so long, you just don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I need a solid, like, binging week. That's fair. 
yeah, to catch up on. But like, I got mostly caught up on last podcast, but you know, that's okay. It's cool. Well, my favorite murder does have an episode yeah. on this guy. I'm pretty sure it's Karen that does it. Right on. Um, and like, it is a bonkers bonkers story yes and i did look up the movie party Party monster Monster. yes didn't know that existed either i knew that existed so gonna watch that yeah like i'm super i haven't seen it yeah yeah i said super soaked i mean listen if you're that into macaulay culkin that you get super soaked like i'm not gonna kink shame you if macaulay culkin is your kink you get it girl nope not even a little bit Mm. okay um but I'm super stoked. Well, I'll be super soaked for it. Okay. Right, get okay. it. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So this documentary is, you know, I mean, it's not the greatest uh, visually, but I think it does a really, really good job of setting the scene. And you have like all these people that were around during this time in the 80s and 90s, like, living this whole lifestyle because the majority of this doc is about the lifestyle and what it was like in New York in the late 80s, early 90s, and the crazy, crazy club scene that was happening. Yeah. And it made me laugh because, I don't, do you ever watch SNL? I I mean, here and there, yeah. Okay, so... Most of my life, I've been obsessed with SNL. So, like, I've watched a lot. Um, They used to do this skit of one of the guys was, like, talking about all the hottest clubs in New York. Yeah. (sighs) Tell the audience. (laughs) I have my hands up to my face. It was so... It was so amazing. And I was just, like, dying laughing during like the first time I yeah. watched this because I'm like, oh my god, all that's, those things he was being legit yeah, actually. That's what he was referencing. Oh, and I it just made me love this whole doc even more because I I'm like, I never Ooh. thought about that. Yeah, that's that's like, guys, it was literally where this came from. It was Stefan. Stefan, thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was it, what the guy's name? It, it's Mike. It's Bill, Bill Hader. Bill right? Hader. Yeah, yeah, I always want to say Mike Hader. No. That's fine. Uh, Bill Hader hates Mike Hader. Yeah, yeah sure, fine. Yeah, Hader's gonna hate. Um, <laughs> Hader's gonna hate her. <laughs> but that was like one of my most favorite skits that he did all the time. Okay, just hilarious. He pulled it off so beautifully, and the laughing behind his hands all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. So it made okay. me love this doc even more. All right. Well, hey, this puts the doc in a whole new light now. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, um, also, I loved... Uh, uh, Michael Aleg is from Indiana. Oh, we and, need to talk about this part of the and documentary. And he is from South Bend. Yeah, I figured we'd go through his life so we could talk about this right now. That's fine. So he grew up in South Bend. And I love hearing people from big cities talk about Indiana. Okay, now, okay, a lot of what they say about South Bend is correct. Right, I mean, they're not wrong. They're not wrong, but I will defend South Bend until the end, because in the 1930s, they fucking kicked out the Klan by throwing goddamn potatoes at them. (laughs) And for that reason, and for that reason alone, I, I stand South Bend. Okay. Well, I'm just like, 
they act like South Bend is like a no stoplight town. Have they seen Nawbone, Indiana? Yeah, I mean, seriously. I, I mean, Roanoke? Have you been to Ossian? Uh, right. Burn? Yeah. Yeah. Like South... Grable? Hey, we're not saying South Bend is some huge city. No. And it's... It basically does exist for Notre Dame. I it, mean, it's it, a college it, town. Yeah. It's a college town. But Don't hate on a fucking college town. It's not that small. It's not as small as they acted like... It has it an airport. Like podunk... It has a municipal airport. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out yeah. there. I mean, it is Indiana. Sure. So what they're saying about how he was treated, I'm sure, is pretty accurate. Is it the most gay-friendly community? Probably no. Not. Especially But again, they the kicked 80s. out the fucking clan with potatoes. They that's kind of li- smart. That's literally how the Fighting Irish got their name. Just, by the way, just throwing that out there. I'm, I'm not making that up. That's a serious story. That's a for real story. The more you know. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, like Krishana was saying, this documentary, uh, like, two-thirds of it is profiling the club scene of the 80s and 90s, and the other third is about Michael and his actions. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. That, uh, I'm sure this is probably an old saying, but I don't think I've ever heard it, is when he was talking about South Bend, he's like, I spent a year there one night. Ugh. And I'm like, I've never heard that. And it, like, I almost missed it. And then I was like, <laughs> the, the drugs. <laughs> it made me giggle more than I should have. But enough uh, that I was I think like, I, 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 think I wrote, I wrote. You're probably right. Okay, I fucking get it. South Bend sucks. Jesus fucking Christ, can you not? In all caps in my notes. I want to read your notes sometimes because I we feel should. like there's so many things that you don't say in your notes <laughs> that I think would probably go well for this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would go well. Yes. For our 51st episode, that's what we'll do. We'll switch notebooks. Sweet. Oh, okay. dude. No. Because you're going to be like, huh? what's this word? And I'll be like, the. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Back, right. So back, back to, to Michael. Back to South Bend. He scooted out as soon as he could. Uh, he was getting picked on pretty hard in high school for, you know, being the artsy gay kid. Mm-hmm. And when you're an artsy gay kid in the Midwest, what do you do? You go to L.A. or you go to New York. Yeah. Michael went to New York. Good call. Uh, he Maybe. got there in 84. Yes. And at that time, the w- <laughs> the way everyone in the documentary describes it, uh, New York was disgusting but full of life. And it was awful, but there was art, and it was just god-awful. Like, just people dying everywhere in a bombed-out war zone. But, man, I really loved it, because it had life and, like, real stuff. It and, was like, when New York was New York. I was like, huh? The only... Uh, again, we're simple fucking Hoosier girls. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, obviously, we don't understand New York. But I, the what I took from it was that one line in Ghostbusters when it's like... There's 10 million people living in New York City, and they all have a right to be unhappy if they want to. Yeah, like I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that's right. what he meant. And I, I did get what they're saying because that is the image of New York that I always had growing up. Like, sure. it's tough, it's rough. You're gonna get stabbed. Yeah. So either you're uh, tough and you're like in a gang, or you're like artsy. Yeah. And, you know, you were there for music, for dance, for whatever, you know, artists in the street. Yeah. Yeah. This big melting pot and there's all this energy, the city that never sleeps. That 
you know, this was still part of that time of New York, the city that never sleeps. Yeah. Um, but like they said, um, it was totally dirty, lawless. Um, and, and I found it interesting, the part about Times Square, <laughs> That it was before it was un-Disney-fied. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not Disney-fied yet. Um, like, there was prostitutes in the streets and drug deals left and right. And they kind of showed a couple, like, you know, stock footage images. And I was like, whoa. Because I went there in 2003 or something like that, 2004. Yeah, I've only ever been to a post-9-11 New York. Yes. Yeah. 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 Big, big difference. Big difference. And now it's even more so... Gentrification. Disney-fied. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to gentrification at the end. Um, But during this time, you know, Andy Warhol, it was Studio 54. It was all this subculture, grungy, dirty art. Like, you could just be as free as a bird. Um... And it was just this creationism wildness. Yeah. And it had all these crazy, like, underground clubs, um, very interesting themed clubs, a lot of S&M clubs they talked about. Themed and all these, S&M like, clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to wear <laughs> a pig nose while you were tied place, up? You know, where there's a, a midget, a priest, and a hot dog factory, blah, blah, blah. That would be like from this, and I'll skip. Oh, that's the okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and, and you know anybody who was anybody was at fifty four. I think that's pretty common knowledge. You know, uh, CBGBs was that time, and it was just the night. You know, it came alive with all this wild parties and drugs and orgies and craziness hedonistic yeah but it looked like a good time well everything looks fun when you're on coke yeah yeah well my husband was like you know they're showing like clips of the clubs he's like um would you go to a club like that hell no and i was like when i was younger i probably would have because before i could go to clubs that's what i thought clubs looked like you know yeah these big elaborate sets and all these dancers everywhere and it was just awesome because that's how they portrayed it in all the movies and then i went to fort wayne clubs and i was like i know what club you're talking about the 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 only one we have yeah yeah and i was like okay yeah and they i get that they tried to do that like you know sure. by understanding how that bar was set up uh-huh i get what they were trying to do yeah but don't but it forget just didn't. don't forget we're dumb fuck hoosiers yeah so yeah, yeah. i'm not bitter about that it's easy, fine easy so this whole era of giant like of, of the studio 54 era yeah dies with warhol yeah yeah they're you know like they're just like this is like the end of the culture the art yeah what what, what do we do what? now yeah <laughs> well know? and into that vacuum comes michael Mm -hmm. Um, he starts promoting parties, uh, for different club owners and he had the ability to gather the young kids, the underage kids, 
who technically couldn't drink. Yeah. But who wanted to express themselves um, artistically, the club kid movement, yeah. as they as they begin to call themselves, and get them into clubs. Yeah. Making and massive money for owners. Yeah. They kind of dressed like the unglamorous glamour. They were all the outcasts. They were the, you know, he's... They're he, all the young, gay, artistic kids that bounced yeah. from the Midwest. Yeah. It's that scene. Um, And it was like, how crazy can your look get? Like, how can you push the buttons and just be wild and in your face and just give zero fucks. Yeah. And that's basically what their mission was. And and Michael, he was smart. They talked about like how he was really smart and he watched the people of the uh, Warhol era mm-hmm. and how they did and what they did and, you know, being famous uh, for being famous. And um, he really grabbed hold of that and put that into his little heart and was like, this is going to be me and this is what I'm doing. And the bigger, the crazier, that's what we're doing. And he did it. I mean, he ended up like promoting and running at like four clubs, um, all with different themes every night. Um, it was like this rave nightclub kind of combo. At one point they, um, it was the limelight uh, club that was in a church, which is totally rad, Brad. Yes. I love that idea yeah. of anything happening in a church. That's not church. That's not church. Yeah. Just because it's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like, so it's like this so childhood thing of like, you need to act right in church. And then like, everybody's not acting right in church. So I kind of like. Oh, like that. okay. I, I was going to make a pedophilia and Catholic oh. church joke, but I'm not. Gonna, yeah, don't do it, that. They just write themselves. Um, um, the, so we we're getting like we're getting into the uh, early to mid nineties. Yeah, and what's happening in the club scene is you've got all these club kids, mm-hmm. but you've got the rave scene coming in. Yeah. So not only do you have the the kids who like to dress up, um, and then you've got the kids that you've got the punks coming in, you've got the goths coming in, you've got the S and M crowd coming. Yeah. In. You've got all of them coalescing together into these like massive multi-room clubs like everybody has their own little room but everybody can travel around to the other rooms in the club and just do drugs together and chill yeah and everybody was cool that's why they talked about like you could be from any of these backgrounds and everybody got along because they were just there to have fun and i love that even the outfits that they were coming up with was kind of a melting pot of all those ideas you know you had a little bit of that punk a little bit of that goth a little bit of that drag burlesque a little bit of that uh outer space a little comedy yeah was kind of just everything whatever you found walking along the street you're like "Mm, i can make a costume out of that and you did and i love that oh i have zero patience for it you do? I can't. St- I couldn't stand half those kids in oh, the no. documentary. I'm sure how they were acting probably would have drove me nuts, especially this age right now. I'd sure. Be like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Stop. But yeah, I think if you're in that, sure, in that, uh, but in I, that yeah. frame, and you were, you were 19, 18 years old in New York in this scene, you would have been yeah having a good time i guess i just probably wouldn't have been part of the scene (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe (coughs) i also love all the 
fun names that they had. Oh, my, yeah. Um, everyone except Michael had a stage name. Jenny Talia. Yeah. Uh, Ruben Sandwich. Yes. Oliver Twisted. Yes. RuPaul. Yeah, RuPaul. Was a part of all of yeah. this. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I couldn't write down all the names. Lots of drugs took over for me. I got a lot of Talking Heads names, but I'm not going to worry about them. <laughs> they were fun. Yeah. Just fun, you yeah. know, kids. These were kids, yeah, these mind kids. you. Now, the problem comes in when you've got 18 hours of dancing. Yeah. You've got 18 hours of drug use. Yeah. A little bit of drug use can lead to a lot of drug use really fucking fast. Yeah, and they they kind of talked about that Michael wasn't into the drugs at that time. Like, when the scene was first happening, he was faking that he was messed up, but sure. he wasn't really into drugs. Well, then the drugs started coming in more, and okay, I'll do a little ecstasy. Right. And then maybe... Okay, well, I'll do a little coke. I'll, I'll do a little bit more, and then I'll maybe... I'll do a little bit of meth. Yeah, a little ketamine. Uh, let's put some acid in the punch. A little LSD. Yeah. Um, you name it, they were doing it, and they were doing it all at the same time. They were like little lab rats for crazy mind-altering drugs. Yeah. And shit goes wrong. Shit goes wrong. Well, and... Th- to try to set the scene for Michael for some of his actions later, the documentary talks about some of the themed parties that he threw. One of them being a club a club kid serial killer where, like, the promo for the party was a flyer with, like, a body cut in half, like, the phrase legs cut off, uh, you know, bashed a skull three times in the head, like... There's all these little things that he did to promote this one party that's like, oh, where'd you get that idea? Yeah. Well, and I was thinking to myself, ooh, ooh. And then I'm like, you know how the uh, big thing right now is people love crime stuff. We Oh, people, people have always loved true crimes. Now we can talk about how much right. we love I'm true crime. Right. I'm just saying, like, yeah. now... Like the it's floodgates the are genre. Open. It is a genre now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> is that, you know, saying like, okay, is that going to get twisted later on in life for all of us that love the true t- true oh. crime? Yeah, no, it'll and come then, up. Oh. I'm sure it'll come they, up in our, in our depositions. This person really liked true crime. They followed these podcasts and they would wear these shirts and... They killed somebody. And now everybody who likes true crime, now you're a criminal. I mean, that's just typical media response. Scapegoating bullshit. Um, So, during this time, you know, as as Michael's drug use started to ramp up, um, it started to change the scene in the clubs. Because now he was actually putting uh, these drugs drug dealers on staff at these clubs to make sure that everybody could have drugs all they wanted. Well, yeah, it's just going to make more money for the club because they're going to drink more. They're going to be there more. They're going to have, they're going to party more there. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of the people talking on this doc were a part of that scene the whole time with Michael friends with him or just around. Yeah. And they kind of talked about, you could see it kind of deteriorate. It went, 
from being super fun to it started to be less fun and started to be more out of control and their friends were starting to die all the time and you know it just started to get not fun well it went from like everyone hanging out in the club to looking around the club and most everybody's like drugged out on the floor yeah and then also during this time uh we have giuliani coming to clean up the city Mm. um and hey from the outside growing up especially being an snl watcher giuliani was like freaking god according to snl you know like everything you saw was always like this He's such a great guy thing. Interesting. He's on SNL a lot. Um, so, like, you know, I it kind of did take my perception of him in that way. Like, oh, he's a good mayor. <clears throat> and then, you know, 9-11 and da-da-da. And then Police this, quota you systems. <clears throat> being a more educated person. Yeah. You know, as you grow into adult, you start paying attention to things more and blah, blah, blah. You start looking at the multifaceted sides of situations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You you look for the nuance. Life experience and then blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. So what Giuliani did is say, okay, well, we're done with this lawlessness. We're we're done partying all night. We're cleaning up the city. Yeah. Well, and his, his path to success that he was looking for was if you shut down the clubs yeah. you're going to shut down the drug dealers if you shut down the drug dealers you're going to shut down the mafia guys running the drug dealers right so bing bang boom you're going to air quotes clean up the city and the air quotes quality of life is right. going to go up well and they talked about one of the uh gangs that was in one of the clubs was uh tf together forever i was like that's the gang that was in the club together forever you think they spelled it with a two and a four i was like are they 12 year old girls making bracelets and also selling heroin honestly they were probably like 12 year old boys selling heroin yeah <laughs> i mean if we're gonna I be just real was like that's the game okay yeah. um yeah so and look whatever is it a bad thing to try and clean up the city that's in disarray no how you go about it and yes. how you treat everybody is a whole nother story. Well, and, and it, you know, all kind of depends on who you're uh, calling dirty yeah. in the city. Exactly. Exactly. When you're calling many communities of color dirty and putting right, quotas right, 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 on right. them for arrests. And yeah. So, not that I'm calling back to our last documentary, but I'm kind of calling back to our last documentary. Well, and then when one of the club owners was like, oh, he couldn't be bought. And I was like. No, you just didn't have enough money. Yeah, you just didn't pay (laughs) He was already bought by somebody else. Yeah. Um, He's a very powerful man. I don't know if he can hear us right now. He's not that powerful. He's just a fucking lawyer. We'll see. We'll see. Just because you cover your face with a book doesn't mean the audio goes away. How do you know? You can't hear me right now. I am hiding behind this book. Nobody can hear me or see me. Oh, my God. Guys, Krishana just disappeared in front of my eyes. I don't know where she went. I don't have object permanence. Oh, God, she's back. Thank God she's back. <laughs> so, anywho. Um, and along, you know, during this time, you know, of having these drug dealers, uh, Angel comes along and, and he is one of the drug dealers in the club. Um, a lot of times sporting gigantic angel wings. 
Which, um, it's got to be difficult moving through those crowded clubs with wings like that. Yeah. But I mean, do you, they like, looked amazing. Do you think the wings had pockets and that's where he stored his drugs? <gasps> yes. And then what if he just, like, had these little pouches where he just dug in and grabbed, like, a big handful of coke and was just, like, <gasps> into the crowd? And that's basically how God created the universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Uh, no, but Angel Melendez uh, came from this, like, super rough gay scene. Yeah. Like, down on, I don't know what side of town they said, but, because I, I don't know New York, sorry. Yeah. Dumb, dumb fuck Hoosier, sorry. Um, but he never quite felt that he fit in with these club kids. Right. But he was making a bunch of money selling yeah. drugs. So, I mean, yeah, like, why not? Yeah. Um, and if I ever uh, die or get murdered, I mean, eventually I'll die. And people talk about me the way that they talk about Angel. I'm going to haunt every single one of them. Really? Do you not speak ill of the dead ever? No. Oh, I do. Not on film. Oh, I do. Just on podcast. Um, <laughs> well, no, but I was just like, oh, that, I mean, awkward. You know, like, here we are, like, talking about, a, you know... A guy that got murdered. Okay. Gentle reminder. I'm the girl that literally sat in this chair, <laughs> giddy as a motherfucker, because a co-worker got shot by and, his soon-to-be ex-wife. Right. And you, and then you said it again. And then I said it again, because I'm still fucking... Hey, I found out his brother works near me on second shift, so now I have to see him every day, and I'm like, hey, your brother got shot. Oh, my God. Look, I get, but I get it. If you don't like someone in life, I don't feel like you should have to say nice things about them in death. Well, right. I'm just saying, I'm like, dang, this is the dude that got killed. And they're all like, I didn't like him. I didn't like him. He was okay. I didn't like him. He sucked. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I, I literally wrote divided opinions in my notes. Like, wasn't very divided. Yeah. I was like, no. And I was like, ooh, that. That's a little, that's a little salt, you know, because, you know, when we're talking about murder and you're thinking like, typically it's the murderer who's the bad guy and the, you know, you know typically, what I'm saying. Yeah. Typically. This case is not <sighs> typical. It's not typical. Let's. At all. Okay. I'm going to go through the actual day of the actual murder. Don't get. Okay. So it was a Sunday, uh, pretty early in the morning. So probably like noon for these kids. Um. Angel comes over to the apartment that Michael and a couple of other guys that I didn't quite catch their names. That whatever, yeah, Mr. Freeze and yeah, there, there's Kiyoki. there's a couple. I'm really confused yeah. about things. Yeah, he had a couple roommates. Angel comes over is like, "Bitch, better have my money." Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys are like, "Dude, it is way too early in the morning for this. Let's just all take a nap. We'll go to the club afterwards." Uh, a scuffle begins between Angel and one of the roommates. Michael steps in, Angel and Michael scuffle, between Angel slamming Michael up against this, like, china cabinet, Mm -hmm. and somebody brought in a hammer. I couldn't tell if it was Michael or the other guy. Was it Freeze? Freeze. Okay, so Freeze clocks Angel upside the head a couple times with the hammer, and then Michael takes what he thought was a sweatshirt, Freeze says it's a pillow, smothers angel yeah now they thought he wasn't dead they thought okay we finally got this dude that's trying to fight us to stop fighting us 
okay, wait, he's breathing, right? No, he's not breathing. Okay, we'll put him in some water and that'll wake him up. Okay, that didn't wake him up. Fuck. They put him in water. Well, because when you... They didn't, like, turn on the shower. They didn't splash him with water. They put him in water. No, because... because, Okay, do you remember watching Recovery Boys? No. I know you're very... You're very medicated right now. Do you remember Recovery Boys? Yeah. And how uh, the the dude that ended up disappearing by the end of the documentary... Yeah. um, He... The, the, like, he was overdosing, and they were pouring water on his face. Right. Pouring water on him. Yeah. Splash him with water. Wake up. How this made it sound was like, they ran him a bath, and they put him oh. in water. See, I... And they were like, there's no air bubbles. He's not moving. Oh, see, I didn't interpret it that way. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes it worse. That's a was, lot worse. That's why I was like... That's a lot worse, actually. But then what happens next is worse, because then they pour <laughs> Drano down his throat. Yeah. And take all his drugs. Yeah. Oh, they put him on ice. They do put him on ice in the bathtub. After they had drained the water out. Yeah, sure. That they were sure, sure, sure. putting him in. Uh, put, him on, put him on ice in the bathtub, throw some bleach on him, shut the door and walk away. Proceed to do several days of drugs. About 10 days worth of drugs. Come back going, maybe he's not there. Sure, maybe he woke up. He's there. Very dead. Very dead. Very dead, not rotting on the top half that's not on the ice, rotting on the bottom half where the ice melted. Do more drugs, have some parties. With the body in the bathroom. Don't use that bathroom. It's on the fritz. Got a clog. It's pipes. What's that smell? That's just the sewage pipes. Okay. More drugs, more drugs, more drugs, more drugs. Then they're like, well, he's definitely dead. He's definitely dead now. So we should probably get him out. Oh, he's stiff as a board from, you know, what? Being dead. Two, three weeks of being dead. At least, at least 10 days of being dead. Um... Then they're like, well, let's cut him up. You got a knife? No, I'm going to go to Macy's. It's probably just the closest department. It's not. Hey, okay. Remember, we're dumb fuck Hoosiers. We got a Walmart down the street. There's not a Walmart down the street in Manhattan, especially in the 80s. Right. But there's also not a Target down the street. There's also, who knows where the nearest hardwood stores is. The bodega on the corner is not going to have a butcher's knife. You gotta, you gotta go to the department store. Yeah, get a large kitchen knife. Several. Um, do a bunch more drugs, because they're like, either we're gonna overdose, yeah. or pff, this is gonna be easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. Yeah, so and, they they heroin the shit out of themselves. Yeah. Um, cut him in half. Uh, Michael says, you know, it felt like it only took a minute. Yeah, but he's on heroin time. Yeah, so, so you yeah. know, it probably was a couple hours. Yeah. Because um, I imagine a kitchen knife's probably not the best tool to make it all the way through somebody. 
But well, you never know. Cutting off at the torso, there's a lot of soft tissue to yeah. go through. And really the only hard part, the tricky spine. part would be the spine. But if you could get I mean, they had brand new knives, so I'm assuming I'm assuming you got some cut codes or something. So like if but if you can get Gen in between two. No, but if you can get in between the lumbar vertebrae, there's a lot of, of cartilage in between those particular uh, vertebrae for cushioning for while we walk and, and, and move and stuff like that in humans. So it's a little easier to cut there. Emily, yeah. Um, I no longer feel safe in this closet. <laughs> I feel like you know a little bit too much, and I'm gonna back out slowly while, still while my... facing you. That's fine. That's fine. I'll just finish this up while you're gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they make it through them, put them in a TV box, set said box in their living room. They're like, Whew, glad that's done. Let's take a break and do more drugs and maybe have some friends over. So his friends were like talking about being over there and setting their their cocktail drink down on this box that had Angel. Printed. Yeah, come to find out, Angel's holding their cocktails for them. Crazy. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, well, we should probably move him out. I'll call a cab. Let's get a cab. Let's throw him in the trunk. Let's have the cabbie drive us down to the river. Mm-hmm. Have a, have the cabbie help us take yeah, it's fine the box out. Yeah, then like, oh hey, can you actually help us throw this box that may or may not have like stinky juices coming out of it uh, uh, and put it into the river? Uh yeah yeah sure you got you got twenty bucks twenty dollars yeah help. They, the cabbie helps them throw this box. It's just, you know, kitchen stuff. It's just some old dishes and stuff we don't want anymore. Not clanking around like kitchen things would do. Definitely sloshing. Um, definitely has a smell. Throw it in the river. Guess what? It doesn't sink. Okay. Uh, starred and hearted in my yeah. notes. I said, very important note to remember if you ever murder someone in a drug-fueled haze and the need to dispose of the body by throwing it in a river poke holes in the box yeah that's not premeditation that's a pretty industrious box too because like i said i'm sure things were oozing and leaking and then you have the water yeah not breaking down this cardboard um considering i just had to buy three appliances because new shit breaks down the things, the way things were made in the good old days yeah uh yeah no they lasted forever um, can I just say, I took those extra few minutes when I got here to gently caress your new appliances. Oh, thank you. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait to show you the two ice makers. <laughs> um, again, dumb fuck Hoosiers. Sorry. Yeah. We're excited about a fridge. So, you know, uh, Freeze, his buddy Freeze that, you know, was his accomplice and all this, uh, he's like, I'm going to jump in the river and try and sink it. And they're like, nah. No, no, we're good. We'll be fine. Let's go do more drugs. Hey, cabbie, drive us back home now. Here's, here's the address. Here's the address. Um, do you, yeah, I'm sure they were like, do you want to come up and do drugs? <laughs> um, do you want to see where, where we killed the guy? I mean, the dishes that right. we just threw away. Where we packed up those dishes. <laughs> um, and... Meanwhile, you know, Michael's wearing Angel's clothes. He still has his 
pager, cell phone. He's got his cell phone, and um, there was and there was all the drugs. There, there's all the drugs. Um, one of the dudes had called Angel, and Michael called him back on Angel's phone number, and that dude was like, "Well, that's weird because they don't like each other." Mm-hmm. There was another. There was uh, basically everyone in this scene at some point got told by Michael or Freeze. Yeah. Hey, guess what we did? Yeah. And everyone in the, all the club kids are like, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. <sighs> they thought Michael was joking or like it was going to be this like elaborate prank and then Angel would show up and jump out of a cake. Yay. Here's drugs. And that didn't happen. And then my uh, Angel's family started like coming around looking for him visibly upset and so they're like, wait. Yeah. And another dude was like, I thought it was a joke until I met his family. Yeah. And and he's like, the angel wouldn't do that to his family. No. Um, so then there was like this talk of like, let's get Michael out of the country, out of the city, put him into hiding. So I'm like, all these people are officially accomplices now. I mean, kind of. Definitely. Like, his one friend that he spends a lot of time with in the last part of the documentary, James St. James, they seemed like, they seemed like they were one of the ones helping yeah. to try to get him out of the country. Yeah. Michael kept, you know, no body, no crime, you know, just, just totally whacked out and yeah. having a grand time. Um, meanwhile... Um, a big storm rolls in, which pr- then prevents Angel's body from just floating out to sea and nobody ever finding him and brings him into Staten Island where, again, they were like, where'd this dude come from? We have no well, nothing, the, nothing, the poli- nothing. The police were like, it's a, it's a torso without legs. Yeah. Um, we can see some head trauma. Don't know who the guy is. Yeah. Don't have any way to ID him. Okay, we'll just file it away for now. Yeah. Until this newspaper article. Uh, was it page? <laughs> well, no. There was uh, Michael Musto. Yeah. Which I've seen him on the Today Show. Lots of things. A lot of times. Um, he had wrote, written a mm-hmm. small little piece about this funny story that he's hearing about this dude that killed another club kid. Yeah. And page six picks it up. Yeah. And then all the news outlets pick it up. And then the cops see all the the coverage on this one particular story. And they're like, wait, so you're telling me you just heard a story about a guy who beat another guy in the head with a hammer three times and then cut off his legs and threw him into the water? That sounds a lot like this dude that we found. Sounds real familiar. didn't have legs. I got hit in the head with a hammer three times. Weird. Let's check this out. And... Boom. Basically, yeah. arrested Michael, um, arrested Freeze. Um, they both just were like, yep, that's, uh, yep, we did yep. that. Oh, yeah, they spilled their guts. Yeah. Left, right, and center. Um, and even the, po- the police were like, you know, you could have had a solid self-defense yeah. argument here. That dude came into your place, assaulted both of you. You defended yourselves. Yeah. And saved yourselves. Yeah. However, 
the part where you left the body in the tub for 10 days? Yeah. That's problematic. Yeah. The part where you cut the legs off of the body? Yeah. Problematic. The part where you disposed of the body in the river? Problematic. Yeah. I would like to provide a slightly alternate theory. Do tell. I mean, only slight. Do, do An- I need a tinfoil hat? No. Okay. Angel came, wanted his money. None of them had the money. Oh, fuck no. Money's at the club. They were are probably already high or they were like, need to get some of that high. Yeah. And just fucking killed him. Maybe they didn't intend to. They Maybe they intended to just beat him. Sure. Take his crap. And then they're like. Uh, he attacked us. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if. They brought that up on my favorite murder or not. I cannot, I cannot remember. I mean, I, I, it's a good theory. I most definitely wouldn't put it past them for that to be a a scenario. It's a good possibility. It sounds a lot better, you know, when you kill somebody to be like, well, he attacked us. Sure. I mean, we talked about that in I am a killer, right? Like that was going to be their, their defense of, oh, they made come they made advances on us and we defended ourselves and no yeah yeah so here's where the doc gets more interesting to me i feel like the documentary loses some objectivity at this point yep um because at this point in the documentary we have access to michael both in prison getting out of prison and post prison. Yes. A lot of access to Michael. <sighs> yep. And here's where I like lose some of the well, you know, maybe he just got really caught up with the drugs and the things and you know, maybe he's really not such a bad dude. Uh well cuz I mean after after the murders all his friends are like so was it the drugs that made him do that? Or was this Michael? Uh, you know, was it the horror movies that he liked to watch? But, and and a lot of people point out in this documentary, and I, I, I wrote it in my notes, I'm like, a lot of people do drugs and a lot of people watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. They don't fucking kill people. Right. So something happened. Yeah. But then Michael says that, you know, he was literally in his darkest days of addiction Right. To drugs. Which I understand. I get I, I get, get it. it. Well, and, and he, he talks about how in some of his therapy and, and psychology work that he's had to do in prison, like, drug addiction and sociopathy can run parallel to each other mm-hmm. with a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as Michael says, the, the sociopath will do it no matter what. The drug addict is only going to do it for the drugs. Or on the drugs. Right. Or with the drugs. Right. But, I don't know, man. Well, and then there's this part where, and I am actually struggling with this part myself. Okay. When Michael and James St. James are at the river. Yeah. I saw a lot of myself in that conversation. Okay. So, okay. (laughs) They were making jokes about... Angel, and wouldn't this be a great place to dump a body? And oh, we should come oh, back here every year. And yeah, dump a body. oh, isn't that is that Angel over there? Okay, so things. First of all, 
I know for a fact I've made very inappropriate jokes uh-huh. along those lines. Oh, my favorite joke is about my dad's funeral. I'll tell you that joke later sometime. Okay. Uh, but I also have not killed anybody and sat in a prison for 20 years saying that it really wasn't me and that was a bad thing and it was drugs and I'm remorseful and all these things. And then like the second I get out, I'm joking about it on a documentary that people are going to see. Um, I'm like, okay. Can you save it for like two weeks down the road or something? Right. But is he just that giddy from finally being out of jail and not having to shower with his clothes on? Right. And I get things are awkward. And like James St. James was trying to do the defense of like, it's been 20 years. We've gone through the morning. We've processed all this. Yeah. And I get that to a point, but is it necessarily a good idea to put that on film not That's really. supposed to be like, hey, I'm really not a bad dude, even though it kills yeah. somebody. I just thought, I at, at the very least, poor taste for his situation. And they do address it in the documentary. Yeah. They, they do address it, and they're like, they do try to explain it away. It's still a little icky feeling. Yeah. But again... I make awful jokes. Right. And that's why I'm like, I'm trying not to be judgy. Right. Because I know I've said awful poor taste jokes a lot. Yes. Ditto. (laughs) Super ditto. But Um, I wasn't making awful poor taste jokes about somebody that I murdered and went to prison for. Right. On camera. Um, so Michael is out. Uh, I believe this was filmed in, this part was filmed in 2014. Mm -hmm. He's out. Um, he is currently learning how to live in a world that has completely changed since he went to jail. So he, he went to jail in 97, I think it was, and got out in 2014. So he literally missed every, he missed 9-11, he missed the internet, he missed cell phones, he missed, uh, Facebook uh, Twitter, he missed, uh, fucking podcasts. Yeah. He, I mean, he missed everything yeah. while sitting in jail. Um, and he also missed the death of the club scene in New York. Yeah. Giuliani was effective. Yeah. C- air quotes cleaned everything up. Yeah. Gentrification happened. Definitely. So, you know, prices have skyrocketed mm-hmm. in, in real estate there. And, and, uh, <laughs> Michael ends the documentary, like, you know, talking about Times Square. And he's like, well, if Times Square can rehab its image, I, I can do the same. Okay. okay. Sure. Yep. Sure. Gone get. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. That's that. And that's that. I was watching something that it was this couple and they had this tiny, 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 tiny little apartment, like in New Jersey. Yeah. And it was like $2,500 a month. Yeah. I was going to say about three grand studio. And I'm just like, dude, you could have a mansion for $2,500 a month. Uh-huh. A mansion. Uh-huh. But again, we are dumb fuck Hoosiers. That's the theme for this podcast, this episode. And that's what keeps me out of big cities. Like, this is as big of a city as I ever want to be in. Really? I can't. See, like, I, lo- I, like, I would love to go and be a part, 
of a big city. Yeah. But then I'm like, no. Yeah. No, I am not paying that much money for a closet. That's fair. I need space. I'm a full-figured gal, <laughs> and I like to spread out. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, I mean, Fort Wayne's fine. It's all right. It's, it's a town. It's the second largest city in, in, in Indiana. Yeah. 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 You know, we're only second for obesity. I'm helping that. Uh, and I'm giving you the look of quit hating on yourself. I I am curved everywhere. And we love it. I go left, right, around. Good. Spherically. We like it. Bumpy. Yes. It's cool. It's, uh, you know, I like food. Yeah. So if I like food, I gotta like curves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Watch this doc. I'm going to check out Party Monster. Yes. Uh, who wants to check it out with me? I mean, not with me, but like with me in spirit. No, 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 no. We're going to organize a time and we're all going to press play together. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be fun. <laughs> I used to do that with my husband when he lived in Hawaii. We, we had dates like that. We would watch a movie at the same time. Oh, that's cute. so cute? <laughs> he fell asleep. That does not surprise me. Reoccurring theme for the past 11 years. Um... Go on the socials. Be friends with us. Um, please give us your comments, your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, what you ate for dinner last night. Give us some cool stuff that we can talk about for our 50th episode. You yeah. got a question, you got a concern, uh, you know, you want to send us a little gift and we can open it on the show. Whoa. I'm just I'm just putting it all out there. That's fine. Um, That's fine. 50th episode is coming up rapidly. Um, so please get out on the socials. You can email us at what's in the queue at Gmail. You can go on the Twitter. You can go on the Instagram. You can private message Emily. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Slide into those DMs. And you can go on the Facebooks. Um, that's it. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Okay, bye. All right. We love you. Bye.